Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of Urban Health Today, and I'm speaking with Dr. Imamu Tomlinson, CEO of Vituity. He's here to talk about the dearth of physicians of color in the healthcare system and what effect this lack of representation has in medicine. Thanks for speaking with me today, Dr. Tomlinson. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Let's get started. Uh, can you talk about your background as a physician and a healthcare CEO? You mentioned being one of the few Black CEOs in healthcare. And by the way, congratulations on recently making the list of Bottom Healthcare's 50 most influential clinical executives. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's uh, a great honor, and I appreciate Modern Healthcare for, for reaching out and, and recognizing me. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, as you mentioned, there's not many. Uh, uh, black CEOs in general, and specifically black CEOs in healthcare, um, and you know there are lots of reasons for that that we're probably going to talk about today. Um, but most mostly, it's a, it's I, I think it has to do with a lot of factors, uh, but mostly just not enough uh, presence uh, in healthcare, which we're going to talk about today. So, according to the Association of American Medical Colleges. As of 2018, the percentage of active Black physicians is 5%. It's 5.8% for Hispanics, 17% for Asians, and 0.3% for American Indians. What do you think is happening that medical schools are not graduating more physicians of color? Yeah, you know, significantly less than the population when you look at those percentages. Uh, you know, I think that medical schools are trying. I think they're, they're trying to... Um, make sure they reach out and identify uh, populations in these demographics and 
and you know have them matriculate and have them graduate. But I think that they're sometimes maybe looking for uh, the wrong thing or looking in the wrong places. I think that um, medical schools may need to focus more on you know diversity of experiences as a reason uh, to to be accepted and be successful in medical school rather than just you know sort of the rote sciences. Um, and clearly from those numbers, you can see that uh, the way they're uh, sort of looking at um, who can be successful in medical school, that this needs to be dramatically changed. Now, in a, in a perfect world, how would you change that? If, so you're, you're on the admin of a medical school. You're on the, 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 admin, the, the, uh, admit, the, admit, the admitting committee. What would what what one thing would you change or tweak that you think would make a difference in enrollments? Yeah, I think the first thing is to really look at waiting um, experiences. And I think if you look at medical schools, and you know, it's not their fault. Um, they have lots of applications. It's highly uh, competitive, but mostly what they use are uh, you know standardized test scores, and they use grades. And so when you look at only those two variable variables, you're really going to leave out a whole lot of individuals that really could make great doctors, great physicians, right? The things related to compassion, things related to um, other experiences, uh, interpersonal experiences um, that will make them better uh, providers in the future. But when you focus simply on one aspect, which is sort of the standardized testing and, and grades, sometimes you miss an opportunity to get a broader uh, spectrum of individuals who could be successful. So specifically, I, I would I would actually really broaden, um, you know, what's valued, uh, those things that are valued, what experiences are valued, um, those sort of ethnic and interpersonal experiences that really change the way you view the world. Um, as an immigrant myself, coming from another country, um, you know, the way I see the world or the way I see America is very different um, than even those who are born here. So really looking right. for those experiences and really identifying what would make this person really great, what would bring better perspective to a patient in, in encounter and interaction rather than, you know, just do they have the right scores? Because at the end of the day, if you have a really good medical school, you can teach some of those things where maybe people, um, you know, don't have all the, the information when they, when they first matriculate. Hmm. It sounds also a little bit like maybe the admitting committees need to also um, have some diversity but that's another conversation. Can you talk about the overall effect this dearth of representation has on medical care for patients today? Yeah, you know, there's lots of studies uh, that I can quote here, but, you know, uh, to summarize them, really, you know, when you have people that are caring for you that have similar experiences, um, similar ethnicities, similar backgrounds, um, the, the understanding of disease process and how um, people interpret disease is, 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 is markedly different, right? You could imagine um, diabetes and hypertension in the African-American community and try to communicate, you know, sort of why those things are important, why treating those diseases are important is, is, is far different coming from an African-American physician versus uh, somebody else. And so, I, you know, I think there's a level of comfort for the patient, but there's also a level of really, as you mentioned before, with the admitting committees, understanding um, that the perspectives on uh, someone's disease can be viewed very differently based on your upbringing um, and your background. 
And what would you say are the benefits of having a more representative physician population, especially in terms of patient compliance, follow-up and adherence? Right, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a level of trust. You know, if you look at, um, you know, you know, we can talk about Tuskegee or, you know, some of the other unfortunate sort of medical mishaps uh, around certain communities. Um, but, you know, some people just don't trust um, the government, the healthcare system, and especially in those communities that have been disenfranchised to have somebody that, that has had similar experiences as you to say, hey, you know, this is okay. This pill is okay. Uh, this this appointment is okay. This screening tool is okay. It it just um, you know puts people at ease and it gives them an opportunity to really like you know understand that somebody has their back and they're really looking to make them feel better. And are you seeing this same underrepresentation in other HCP fields? Can you talk about that at, at all? Yeah, I I, I think it's uh, unfortunate. I, I'd love to tell you that um, you know there's there's uh, that it's better. Uh, I know there's a lot of work going on, but you know, underrepresentation is really across the, the healthcare spectrum. I mean, from CEOs of hospitals, um, you know, just to give a shout out to Wright Lasseter, he just um, was appointed the new CEO of Common Spirit, one of the biggest uh, faith-based healthcare systems in the country. But you know, all the way up from the the administrative level, running hospitals, all the way to the bedside and nursing and physical therapy and physicians, it's, it's, it's broad, broad underrepresentation. Um, and as you mentioned before, even though it's multifactorial, at the end of the day, the processes by which we select individuals to go into these, um, these, these areas is, is flawed and that needs to be significantly changed. You know, um, your colleague, Javay Walton, um, I spoke to him recently, and he talked a little bit about um, nurses not being hired because, new nurses um, not being hired because of lack of um, experience. But it's sort of chicken and egg, really, because how do you get the experience if you don't get the job? And then also, aren't graduates sort of equipped to sort of hit the ground running on the job. So that, 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 was, um, that was a shocking bit of information to me. Uh, so what do you think can be done to increase the pipeline of physician candidates from underrepresented groups? Yeah, you know, I, I always start with, uh, you know, what can be done. The first thing we always talk about, and you, I know you've heard it before, but like, like me, you're probably a little past this. The first step is awareness. But I think we're past the awareness days. You know, if you think of all that's gone on in the last two or three years with COVID and, and the social unrest, I mean, people are sort of aware. Now I think we have to get to really the brass tacks of what you do. Um, you know, you mentioned one thing. Can we purposefully uh, put, you know, make everywhere in our organization diverse uh, in, 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 in medical schools, in the healthcare system? Just, just, you know, make a commitment to it and just do it, right? And then to your point, um, it may mean that you value other things besides experience. You value other things besides test scores. And you really look at a broad, you know, sort of multifactorial way of evaluating people and, and, and put them in those roles. I think you also have to take risks. I think you, you have to take risks in respect to what you assume has been successful in the past uh, for a specific position may not be the way of the future. And we saw that with remote work. Um, 
that, that uh, you know, you can do things differently and have a similar successes. So I think we're at the point now we have to start putting people in position, giving them an opportunity. We have to do uh, fellowships and internships and give people exposure even before they get in the jobs in the medical schools. And a lot of what we do in the Vituity Cares Foundation, it's a foundation that we formed out of Vituity specifically to address underrepresentation and these disparities in healthcare. And what we're finding is that you really just have to go all the way down to elementary and high school and just uh, grab somebody and say, hey, I'm gonna give you these experiences um, early on. And so that way, when they get to the point of hire or that, that, you know, that inflection point later on in their career, they have something uh, that, can, that can separate them and, and, and get them in those positions. But it's gonna take a, you know, a lot of work, a lot of purposeful work, and, and more than just awareness, you're gonna need to put structure behind it. I know you do a mentorship and I agree with you. I think that this, this needs to begin in the high schools, not in the universities, because we need to start getting young people um, of color to start thinking about medicine as an option and letting them know that there's something they can hold on to. There are people um, that are in their corner that will support them and, and raise them up um, to, to support them through the process so that they can graduate and, and, and get into the, the field. Do you wanna talk at all about your mentorship? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, thank you. I, I've talked about it a, a little bit earlier as the, as far as our Vituity Cares Foundation. Um, and this was a foundation we started. We actually started this about, uh, started the process of creating it about a year and a half before George Floyd um, and that incident. But once we got to that incident, we felt the groundswell in our organization really were able to go really fast. Um, we raised over $500,000 um, in our most recent gala. And specifically what those dollars will go to is um, mentorship, education, um, scholarship for individuals that are focused on sciences, looking to go into the sciences, but may not have um, you know, a, a family member or may not have a mentor that can communicate with right. them about why you would go into them or why you wouldn't, frankly. Um, and we're seeing, uh, there, was a young, there was a young lady um, that uh, actually went to a, a school, we, we sponsored her to go to a school that was focused more on sciences and she's now, I think, number three in the class. So you can really see how you can motivate somebody. Um, we also, uh, besides the mentorship, um, coaching and scholarship is really try to create uh, a structure in our organization where we take physicians, not just physicians of color, not just um, physicians from underrepresented demographics, um, but also those who just want to participate and they go out and coach and coach and mentor, mentor these individuals. So we, we, we're not, not there yet. We haven't uh, totally uh, solved you know, the entire problem, but I feel like we have a lot of good momentum. Okay, well, it sounds like you guys are off to a really good start and I'm really looking forward to see um, some change, you know, get those numbers up. I mean, 5%, 5.8%, uh, that those numbers, you know, I mean, they're not even representative of the, the US population. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing, you know, as, as time goes on, that hopefully we get some payoff on the back end and we start seeing more representation in medicine because it, it's becoming a matter of life and death for, for people of color, right? And, and in terms of the quality of care, et cetera. 
because we're dying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's a, this is a crisis uh, and it's, you know, it's a crisis that unfortunately has no end um, if we don't do something pretty drastic uh, to change it. And, you know, there are models, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, there are models we can look at. Um, we, we, I think if we're stuck doing the same thing over and over again, we're going to continue to see these numbers uh, maybe even decline. So I think that we have to be radical. I think that we have to do things wild and crazy to really upend what are, you know, systems and structures that are hundreds of years old. Well said, Dr. Tomlinson. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate speaking to you. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for bringing awareness to, to a, a topic that uh, really is passionate for a lot of people in our organization. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.